When you start investing in stocks, you seek investment advice. When you seek investment advice, you go to the Internet. When you go to the Internet, you start believing all the wacky correlations spouted by armchair analysts. Sell, 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 sell. When you start believing those wacky correlations, you start buying and selling stocks based on butter production in Bangladesh. When you start buying and selling stocks based on butter production in Bangladesh, you offend your lactose intolerant girlfriend, who in turn moves out. When your girlfriend moves out, you can't afford rent on your own because all your money is tied up in the stock market. When you can't afford rent on your own, you become homeless and alone. Thank you. Don't become homeless and alone. Get rid of financial advice from armchair analysts and upgrade to Money Talks. This is Money Talks. Welcome back to Money Talks. How about that intro? Would you say you're an armchair analyst? Um... I'm. I got lost at one part in there. Was that yeah. Kramer? Was that a Kramer reference? <laughs> I think it was a Kramer. Ref- is this? A, are those original material? That's impressive. He. You he, heard it here first. He has arms on his chair. And I'm an desk. analyst. And you're an analyst. Therefore, so I don't. When we go down after this, I'm taking the armchairs. I mean, the armrests off my chair. <laughs> talk I just to, won't sit, sit in a chair anymore. Talk to me about Bangladeshi dairy right now. Oh, well, it's hot right it's, now. <laughs> oh, really? Futures. Wow, futures. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Well. You buying? Bye bye bye. Yeah, yeah, I'm 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 in. Okay. I'm in. Well, seems like everything goes up right now, so why not? <laughs> Can't go wrong. All right, guys. Well, yeah. that kind of covers it for the economic picture. We'll dig a little bit more into the current uh, situation later in the show, but switch gears here a little bit. We'll do our our, our weekly kind of study here. In this case, um, circumstances are: Laureen received a promotion to a high-profile position within her company. As part of her compensation package, she was awarded 15,000 shares of company stock with a vesting schedule over the next five years. After the first year in her position, 1,000 shares vest, meaning she will have full ownership of those 1,000 shares. At her second anniversary, 2,000 shares will vest, and so on until her fifth year when her remaining 5,000 shares vest. So a couple topics to touch on here from the planning aspect. Um, you know, Jacob and I encounter this quite often uh, in research, people will, will you know, our, our clients will write in and say, I own X amount in my company stock. Uh, is it okay to hold? Should I continue to hold it? And then, Jesse, this is kind of mm-hmm. your bread and butter here, the tax uh, implications of, of owning these shares. And uh, just kind of to start off, our biggest concern is obviously we want to know that it's a fundamentally strong company, uh, something Jacob and I are going to look at. But Mostly, you want, we want to see the concentration risk. A lot of times, individuals will just be pouring money into their, you know, company stock purchase plan, or if it is, uh, in this case, you know, they receive um, stock in the form of mm-hmm. compensation. It's easy to have that accrue to be a large percentage of your wealth, right? And that can be problematic. You know, you essentially have all your eggs in one basket. Not only are your assets invested. Um, largely in company stock, but you rely on them for your paycheck as well. So you're you're tied in there financially pretty deep. Yeah, and it's it's the bias of familiarity and the bias of you think you're in control. Yeah, you're your boots on the ground. You're there. You, I'll, heck, I'll take this I'll take this company to the moon. Um, but like you said, Nick, the the thing that you have to think about is your retirement is going to be based on your financial capital, but also your human capital. Sure. Your ability to you know earn money into the future and if those thing two things are tied in together you're you're adding so much risk yeah to, that that is so your a ability to risk achieve your retirement goals 
And there's tax implications. Yeah, Jesse? Yeah, I mean, there are a lot of tax implications. I mean, with restricted stock, it's a little bit different because you're taxed when it's vested and it's taxed as ordinary income. But when you start talking about people not understanding the difference between having, you know, a restricted stock option plan against an incentive plan and is that incentive qualified or non-qualified, it can mean the difference between ordinary income rates and capital gain rates, which tend to be a lot lower. Um, So, you know, as you get into these plans, it's good to consult somebody, see that you know what kind of plan you're getting into and what those implications are. Now, with the restricted stock, um, if if I receive restricted stock and invest, you know, I get Mm -hmm. my first thousand shares in year one or whatever, 2000 in year two, do I need to be withhold, like how? How can I withhold to, to make sure that I'm not having to come out of pocket for those taxes, um, you know, when the tax man comes in April? Right. So with the restricted stock, the IRS actually requires the employer to okay. withhold on them. Um, and the restricted stock runs through your W-2. It's got a line item. Um, so it's not in your regular wages, or it is, but it's also separately stated so you can see it. But the, they withhold on that throughout the year. So hopefully, you know, if they're withholding at the right percentage for your income tax bracket, that's going to cover you by the year end. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, something else, you know, that hits home close to me because my, my family has dealt with these issues and, and oftentimes we see it with our clients is you work for a company um, mm-hmm. for, you know, 20, 30 years. So you, not only have you acquired a lot of stock in a company, let's just say it's not even a large percentage of your wealth, but the get the long-term capital gains that you have, your basis is so low. If, if you're right. retiring, let's say you're age 62 and you've worked there, you, you spent your whole career there. You worked there for 35 years. Um, you know, take IBM, for example, if your basis is extremely low and it's appreciated to $130 a share, mm-hmm. you got to, it's tough because you want to see the client take some of the money off the table, you know, lower, lower their concentration of position, but you can also understand the client's reluctance to do so when they see how much they're going to have to pay in capital gains. Yeah. And I mean, there are some ways around that. So if the client is, you know, a charitable client wants to give to charities and they've got all this stock sitting there with a low basis, you know, and they want to make donations instead of making donations of cash, you know, they can choose to gift those shares to an organization so they get the fair market value. That's not going to work if you've got millions and millions and you need that money to live on. I mean, you're going to have to take some of the gain eventually. But if if you're just trying to kind of slowly move out of a position and you're talking, you know, giving $5,000 to your church against $5,000 of stock, it makes no difference to the church but it can save you kind of on those capital gain rates if you're going to have to sell. Absolutely. And, you know, we talk about this often is I understand people's emotional tie to the company stock or something like that and the reluctancy to take the ga- to take the gains. But in, in the case of a company that's struggling, it might have been a long time, you know, take GE, for example. Mm-hmm. If, if you sold it when we told you to sell it, You'd be in a lot better position. You're, what, are you going to hold it until you don't have gains anymore? Then what was the point? You've <laughs> lost all appreciation. Right. So it's kind of, it's it's tough for us to kind of craft that message to clients. I, I understand the reluctancy to not want to take gains, but at the same time, the goal is to make money. You're not going to make money without paying taxes. Yeah. I My mom's favorite saying is, I want to pay a ton of tax. It means I made a ton of money. Absolutely. And when you're talking those long-term capital gains rates, it's going to be lower than ordinary income for most people anyway. It is. You're right. That's a great point, Jesse. We're going to take a quick break. When we come back, we'll listen, uh, I'm sorry, answer some listener questions. We'll be right back. All material presented is compiled from sources believed to be reliable and current, but accuracy cannot be guaranteed. The contents are intended for general information purposes only. 
Information provided should not be the sole basis in making any decisions and is not intended to replace the advice of a qualified professional, such as a tax consultant, insurance advisor, or attorney. Although this material is designed to provide accurate and authoritative information with respect to the subject matter, it may not apply in all situations. This is not to be construed as an offer to buy or sell any financial instruments. It is not our intention to state, indicate, or imply in any manner that current or past results are indicative of future profitability or expectations. Portfolio holdings discussed are subject to change. There is no guarantee that in the future these securities will be held in Hensler accounts. As with all investments, there are associated inherent risks. Please obtain and review all financial material carefully before investing. Hensler is not licensed to offer or sell insurance products. This overview is not to be construed as an offer to purchase any insurance products.